Gospel of John, chapter 17. For those that are guests, and it's been a while since you've been with us, we've began a study several, uh, probably several months ago, really, uh, from John chapter 13 through John chapter 17, and maybe a little further. Um, we've got five, six chapters here uh, that is just packed, packed with activity, packed with deep teachings, uh, packed with a tremendous amount of passion, uh, uh, there's, there's tears being shed, there's, there's opportunities to learn, there's fears, there's concerns, there's anxieties, there's all just a wide range of, of things that are happening in these chapters. Uh, Christ makes several trips uh, in and out of Jerusalem and just a lot of stuff that's going on. And we've been looking at this because for us in our understanding this morning, when we come to these chapters... Jesus has told the disciples yet again he was going to be killed, that he would be in the grave, uh, and he would raise again, and then he would ascend back to the Father. And, and this really threw the, the, the disciples into a tailspin. Uh, all along he's taught, and all the Old Testament prophets have talked about a, a coming uh, Messiah kingdom, uh, a coming Messiah and, and his kingdom, and, and, and they've accepted that Jesus would be just that. But there, there's concerns with, now, how's this going to work, Lord, if you're going to be gone? They did not understand that he came to build a spiritual kingdom first and a physical, literal kingdom later. But for you and I, and, and please, I, I've made mention of this several times, you've got to know this to understand these last few chapters. What Christ is doing is, is Christ is trying to prepare them for his absence. He is telling them, guys, I'm going to leave. But you must understand, the work will continue. And these are the tools by which you need uh, to, to use in order to do this work. And he even told them, guys, y'all are going to be able to do greater work than I ever was able to do. And it's all because of the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so we've looked for several weeks now at these different keys that we can use whereby to accomplish the work that Christ has called us to. Now, I, I don't want to, I, listen, please understand what I'm about to say, okay? Because I can be misunderstood very, very easily here. Realistically, the days of seeing churches grow by 3,000 at a time is probably gone. Realistically speaking, all right? There was a, just a very unique set of circumstances. And by the way, if you'll study that out, it's not that 3,000 people were saved that day. Several of them were already saved, and then they were added to the church. But, but I understand that we're probably not going to see the day where, where 3,000 are going to come and join faith. And while there's a lot of people in faith that would be afraid of that, we ought to welcome that. But I, I, want, us to, I want us to do some real serious soul searching this morning. For the last several weeks now, the attendances have been very, very poor. The visitors are not as many as they have been. Our faithfulness to attend church, our faithfulness to do other things, we need this morning to take a very serious and very honest look inwardly at each and every member of this church and as this church as a whole and ask ourselves, are we accomplishing all that God would want Faith Missionary Baptist Church to accomplish? Or are we letting some things slide that we ought to be doing? 
Jesus said, listen, guys, I'm leaving. And I know you think that you're not going to be able to do this. How's the kingdom going to come about, even though it's a spiritual one? God, you're not here. Understand, these guys have moved. Why? When Jesus moved, they moved. When Jesus stopped, they stopped. When Jesus taught, they listened. When Jesus commanded, for the most part, they went and did. But now, Jesus, the one that they've been depending on, is going to be gone. How are we going to know where to go? How are we going to know what to do? Well, how are we going to build a kingdom for you? In all of these chapters, Jesus begins to teach about loving one another and submitting to one another and the power of prayer. The power of prayer. That's why I began a 9.30 prayer time uh, in Sunday morning. Just the power of God's people getting together and saying, God, we are, we are pleading for your blessings. We are begging for your, your power and your presence to be in our midst today. He's been teaching all of these things. Specifically, the last few weeks, we've talked about uh, the joy Jesus talked about if you're going to build a kingdom, if you're going to continue the work, you must be a people of joy. Yes, the world around us is a mess. Doesn't matter what party you support. The world around us is in a mess right now. We are so, we are, we are so off balance. When universities say we're thinking about paying a guy $32 million so that we can fire him, we're out of whack in the United States of America. Wow. I just knew I'd get an amen out of that. Maybe y'all are used to writing checks for $32 million. The emphasis that we put on sports, the emphasis that's placed on deer hunting, the emphasis that's placed on this, on that, on the pleasures of life. And, and we are just so out of whack. And a lot of times we let all of that stuff affect us so that we've lost that joy. Jesus said, if you want to do my work, you've got to have joy. He went on and talked about other things. This morning we're going to talk about the fourth mark of the Christian, and that is a commissioned people. We're not going to read the entire chapter as we have been doing lately, but go to verse 18, if you will, please. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, on behalf of them, so that it will strengthen them, so that it will help them, Jesus said, for their sakes, I have sanctified myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Jesus said, Father, in the same way that you have sent me into the world, I have sent these men. In the same way that you have sent me into the world with a work to do and a ministry to perform, I have sent the members of New Testament churches. So Faith Missionary Baptist Church, as Jesus Christ was sent by the Father and was expected to accomplish the Father's will, understand this morning that Jesus has sent the members of Faith Missionary Baptist Church into the world and there is a job to be done, a labor a service that is to be performed. The particular Greek that he uses here puts, like if you will, an equal sign. 
in the exact same way, Father, that you have done this, equally I have done that. And it's the same thing. Go out into the world. This made me stop and think this morning, or in preparation for this morning. And I was fascinated by all the statements that Jesus made that referenced why he ever came to this earth. I think that would be pretty important information to know right now if he sent us the same way the Father sent him. Well, why did he come? So we're not going to look at all of these because we'd be here for several weeks if we did, but he was sent. And I'm just going to provide you a, a list of some of the things that he said he was sent for. He said he was sent to be crucified in John chapter 12 and verse 27. It's the wrong one. John chapter 12, verse 27 now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me or deliver me from this hour? And then he said this, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Why did he come? You'll see in a moment that there was a long list of reasons, but one of the main reasons was that he was sent to die. He was sent to be crucified. Say, so, well, how are we sent to be died? How, uh, to die? How are we sent to be crucified? We are sent to have died to the flesh. Our old flesh and all of its desires and all of its evil, sinful, wicked ways that we think nobody else knows about and we're trying to hide so that nobody ever knows about and we won't deal with our sin. All of those things have got to be nailed to the cross. Dead to those things. Father sent the Son to die, and He's called on you and I to die. We're not talking about physically, we're talking about spiritually. To put our flesh to death. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. And yet, what? Anybody remember? I am crucified with Christ. Brother David said it. And yet I live. But then what did he go on to say? It's not I that live, it's Christ that lives in and through me. Jesus was sent to be crucified. i got to hurry. Jesus was sent to bear witness to the truth. John chapter 18, verse 37. Jesus said, and I'll, I'll be glad to provide you a copy of this after service if you'd like to. Then Pilate said unto him, so you are a king. Jesus answered and said, you say that I am a king. But for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And again, just as God had sent his son to bear witness to truth, he sends us to a world to bear witness of truth. That truth can involve everything from when this world doesn't understand what marriage is anymore, we are people of the truth and we tell them what marriage is. When this world says it's okay to, to, to murder babies, we stand for truth and we say, no, that is not true according to thus saith the Lord. Now, we don't do it by bombing places. We don't do things by getting in fist fights. We don't even get into arguments that they get ugly on Facebook. I would give, I'd give my right arm if the guy that invented Facebook would have never invented that thing. We don't, we don't, we're not the extremists that, 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 that go way too far with this. 
but we bear witness to the truth. And when the world says that Jesus Christ was a homosexual, we bear witness to the truth. And when they say that Jesus Christ is just a man, we bear witness to the truth. Was that not the gist of our Sunday school lesson this morning? He's not just a man. He's not a prophet. He is not some figure. He is the Son of God. We bear witness to the truth. And all the other truth that comes along with it. He was sent to be crucified. He was sent to bear witness to the truth. He was sent sent to be a light. John chapter 12, verse 46. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Our world is filled with darkness, y'all. Friday week ago, I wasn't there. I'm only going off of what I was told by people that were there. Friday a week ago, at a high school football game, Something that is tradition, something that is old, something that, that has gone on in the South for years and been one of the, the major events of weeks, of a week in, in, in the South. Friday week ago, though, I'm told that in a particular high school in southern Arkansas that guns began to be drawn on each other. Y'all, our world is in darkness. Jesus came as a light to eliminate to illuminate their darkness, to show them so that they wouldn't remain in darkness. We've sent, been sent to be a light. Jesus said, you are a light, you are salt. He was sent to preach the gospel. Mark 1.38, the Bible says, And to, he said to them, Let us go unto the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I have come. Luke 4.18, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord has come upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captive and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus was sent to the blind spiritually, to the, to the dead spiritually, to those that were enslaved spiritually because of their sin and their master Satan. And he said, I have been sent to deliver the message, the good news of God to them. Y'all, we've been sent. Just as he had been sent, we too have been sent. You continue to read on and you'll find that he was also sent to give abundant life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and give and destroy, or kill and destroy. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am here so that they can have eternal life. In John chapter 6, verse 38, he came to accomplish the Father's will. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. As the Father sent the Son, Jesus, into a world not to build his, his fame, not to build his fortune, not to prepare for a retirement, not to make sure that he was able to enjoy this or that and the other, not to go and accomplish his own agenda, but as the Father sent Christ to do his will, Christ has sent us to do his will. I love the way that this is, is, is mentioned in other places in the Bible. It, it leaves the idea that the child of God no longer has a will. 
at least his own will. His will has now been swallowed up by the will of God. Jesus not only came to do all the before-mentioned things, but in Matthew 5, 17, he came to fulfill the law. In John chapter 9, verse 39, we read there that he came to judge the world. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 34 and 35, Jesus came to call for commitment. Let me just read this verse very quickly. He said, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the world. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Jesus didn't come with the intent of, of dividing families for the joy of it. He came to call people to commitment. And from time to time, when you and I make the commitment to God that we ought to, we are going to have family members that's not going to understand that. And they're going to oppose that. And Jesus said, I've come to call you to a commitment so that I am the most important part of your life. Not your spouse, not your husband, not your kids, not your grandkids. But I am the most important aspect and the most important person of your life. Jesus came to display God's love. 1 John chapter 4, in this was, in this, uh, was the love of God manifested. In his life, in his death, we would not know love were it not for he came. He was sent, and these are the ones I wanted to spend more time on this morning, so I'm going to have to hurry very quickly. He was sent to reveal the Father. John 17, 25, 26, Matthew eleven twenty-seven, 27, Hebrews, 11, uh, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, all bear witness that Jesus came to reveal the Father. A world that was darkened that did not know the Father. A world that didn't understand their lost condition. A world that didn't know of God's love, of His faithfulness, of His, of His holiness. Jesus said over and over again, when you see me, you've seen the Father. Why? I am an exact imprint. That's what he says in, in, in Hebrews chapter 1. I am an exact imprint. If you could take the Father and put him on a piece of paper and, and push hard enough that the Father's outline and the imprint of his body, but he's not talking about just the body. All that my Father is, I am. So as you see me and you begin to understand who I am and what I am and what I do and why I do, now you begin to understand the Father. Would we understand this morning that our world is looking at us and they're determining what they believe about the Father by watching our lives? When we're stopping at stores and buying liquor, they're thinking, well, the Father's all about liquor. When children of God are having adulterous relations or some other type of fornication, they think, well, that's the Father. We are to reveal the Father in holiness. Jesus was sent so that this world could say, that's the Heavenly Father. We send such mixed messages. And I don't care if you're representing me, because I'm nobody. But y'all, I care when we represent the Father. That's a whole nother ball game, is it not? To represent the God of heaven and to live as if the God of hell is still our master. And the world's going, I don't get it. 
I hear y'all preach, I hear you sing, I hear you talk about, but I also see your life. He was sent to reveal the Father. He was sent to serve others. Matthew 20, 28. Matthew 20, 28, Jesus says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Can you imagine the day when we stand before Jesus with all of our excuses of why we don't do the things that we know we're supposed to do? Oh Lord, I was, I, my life is just so busy right now. Oh Lord, you know we got this that we're trying to get taken care of. I used to pastor a deacon. He owned his own business, a, a logging and sawmill. And he shared with the church that I pastored there a testimony that was pretty powerful and pretty impressive to me. You see, he almost never came to the Lord's house on Wednesday night because he's running a business. And there's, there's trucks that's got to be loaded, there's trucks that's got to be unloaded, and all this and that and the other. And besides that, everything breaks down, it has to be fixed so it can be used tomorrow. So he almost never got to go to Wednesday night services. And one particular Sunday, and it wasn't me, I wasn't the one preaching, but the former pastor was preaching and he fell under conviction about putting his business before Christ. Now you can put whatever it is, your joy or your whatever it is, the entertainment of life. But he got under conviction because his job, he was letting his job keep him from serving God on Wednesday nights. He walked the aisle, he told me, and he fell on, fell on his face, literally, he said, at the altar, and he began to cry. He began to pray, God, I'm so sorry. And he said, I made a commitment to him right then and there. I would be at the next Wednesday night service. And he told the rest of his testimony to be that when he got up off of his knees and he went on out in the world and began to work again on Monday, Tuesday, he said, in my mind, I envisioned that since I made that commitment to God, that God would make sure that nothing broke down on Wednesday afternoon. He said, we had three trucks break down and four chainsaws, and I don't know what all else it was. And he said, I, I, I struggled. I knew all that stuff needed to be repaired because we had, we had work to do the next day, depending on that equipment. And he said, it came time to get ready to go to church said he stayed and he stayed and he stayed and he was wrestling with what should I do what should I do and he finally said I made a commitment to God and I'm going to honor that commitment if everything I got breaks down I'll be at church tonight and he rushed into church still covered in sawdust and, and all that and the other and he said he never missed another Wednesday night again Y'all, the commitment to, to sacrifice ourselves for something greater. He was sent to reveal the Father. He was sent to serve others. The Bible says he was call, uh, sent to call sinners to repentance. In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, the Bible records for us there, and when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. No, you're not Jesus, and I'm not Jesus. And we can't save 
the first soul. But y'all, we're still called and sent to call sinners, to plead with them, to beg with them. Would you not repent of your sins? Would you not receive eternal life, the gift of God? He was sent to reveal the Father. He was sent to serve others. He was sent to call sinners. He was sent to seek out and save that which was lost. Again, we can't save anybody. Y'all, we got to get out of our own little blindfolded, you know, just right here and realize the masses of humanity that do not know Christ. Last few weeks, being on the chain gang for Henderson, Brother Daniel, the MBSF director, serves also on the chain gang. Henderson has a student that graduates this year, sports medicine degree. He is from, uh, I believe he said he was from Turkey. And it's taken us every game this year, home game this year, to kind of build enough of a relationship that we can start talking to him. Game before yesterday, we asked him, he said, I'm a Muslim, but I'm not really that devout in a practicing Muslim. We can't save him, but if you don't think Daniel and I have been hammering him with the gospel of Jesus Christ, we've been praying. That, that young man is not more important than anybody else, and it's not so that we can get a feather in our cap. Y'all, we got a world of lost people around us, and we were sent as the son was sent, and the son was to seek them out and save them. We can't save them, but we can get them to somebody that can. Into the world. Christ was sent by the Father, but I want you to notice where he was sent. He was sent into the world, and he said, even as I was sent into the world, I now send you. It was an evil world. I think sometimes we get the idea, well, preacher, it's the 2000s, and it's awful bad out there. Do you not remember all the times that the Bible mentions about the thieves and the robbers on the passageways from one town to the next? Do you not remember that, that this is a nation that is in charge that literally put thousands, thousands of crosses with men and women nailed to them all along the road that leads into Rome and set them on fire that night so that they could have streetlights, if you will? Y'all... Wicked, evil days didn't start in our lifetime. They've always been there. We've got to quit using that as a crutch. Now, I'm not saying put yourself at risk. We ought to be careful and make sure that, you know, uh, we're not putting ourselves in a, in a position that, that's going to be dangerous to our physical health unless God just, you, just God puts you there, you know. But they sent, he sent, the Father sent Christ into a world that was an evil world. He sent us into an evil world. We can't, we can't hunker down in this building, y'all. If we hunker down in this building, we'll die in this building. That's what's going to happen if we don't see the need to get out into the world. I know it's a bad world. I know it's evil. He was sent into a world that was an evil world. He was sent to a world that had a lot of social classes. 
We talk about our, our, our rich and our middle income and upper middle income and lower middle and poverty. And we talk about you know, all of these different classes. Jesus was sent into a world of classes, social classes. And you know what I find? I find this Jesus talking to the very poor and the very diseased. I see him talking to centurions who had men under their power and authority. I see him talking to the, re- the rulers of the temple. I see him talking to the powers that be in the Roman government. What am I getting at? Jesus talked to everyone that he had an opportunity to. We have got to understand God has sent us into a world, and that may mean that we have to talk to somebody that we'd normally stay very far away from. I, I understand. We judge a book by its cover sometimes. And again, I'm not asking us to put ourselves in danger, but I'm asking us, would we pray, God, open doors of opportunities, and when they come and it's people that are quote-unquote undesirable, Lord, if you've laid them on my heart, then I trust that you're going to keep me safe. I have had people in the past, not necessarily at this church, but we don't want that kind in our church. Well, I'll tell you who does want that kind in their churches. Jesus Christ wants that kind in his services. Who are we? Who are we to determine? It was a world of social classes. It was a world of mostly uninterested and unresponsive. Have you noticed anything about these three subpoints? Have you noticed the similarity of these three subpoints in our world today? It's almost like we could take a, a, a photo of that world and a photo of our world and put them out there and you wouldn't know, you couldn't tell the difference other than their dress standards. I understand, y'all, I, 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 I witness and I invite and I understand that we're not seeing a lot of response to it. But it doesn't, take, uh, it doesn't take that burden of responsibility to be a commissioned people and to go into the world. Let them choose. The Bible talks about the watchman that's looking out for the oncoming enemies. The Bible says if he does not warn the people under his watch and the enemy comes, the Bible says that, enemy's, or that, that watchman will have blood on his hands. But he also says, this is in the book of Ezekiel, he also says that if the watchman does his job and he warns of the enemy that is coming and they don't pay him any attention and the enemy comes in and begins to slaughter and rape and pillage and all of that, the Bible says that watchman's hands are free from blood. Let me ask you this morning. We are watchmen. There is an evil out there. Are our hands free of blood? Or are they bloody? I'm almost done. Hang in with me just a minute. We have been sent out. Y'all, we must go out. This is not time to hunker down. This is not time to just hold on. This is the time that God has given us to go out into a world and to be salt and light. 
in the great commission given in Matthew 28, as you are going, make disciples. It's rather interesting the way that is worded. The as you are going, the go out into all the world is literally translated from the Greek into the English as you are going. It's not a command. It has the force and the power of a command. And, and, and I only mention that for this reason. Christ never envisioned a day that we weren't already going out into the world. Do you see what I'm saying? In his mindset, we would be active and involved in our community. And we would be out among the children of God as well as among the lost. And as we were going out, we would look for opportunities and we would take those opportunities to make a disciple. We've got to go out, y'all. There was a time Brother Billy C. was talking about the, it was their anniversary uh, right around this day, and, and, and they'd been married for 58 years. A lot of stuff's changed in about 60 years, hasn't it? 50 years ago, it was not uncommon to have services on Sunday morning. There'd be several visitors, several people from the community, several lost people. And it was not uncommon for them to come in and sit down and get under the conviction of the, of the Holy Spirit and be saved. But that was several years ago, and they're not coming now. We got to go out. Jesus said, go out. We must go out. We must reach out. Once we're out there in the world, we got to put all the barriers of race, of gender, of social class, we got to push all of that aside and see people not as black and white, rich and poor, educated, uneducated, but see people as a soul made in the image of God, that God loves enough that he sent his son to die for them. Take the blinders off that they used to put on horses. Take them off. And don't just look here, but look out there. Go beyond the walls of this building. Go to your schools. Go, go to your workplaces. Go, go to Walmart. Go gas up. As you're out there, look for opportunities. If we are praying and looking for opportunities, I stand here to tell you this morning by the authority of this book that if you're praying and asking God to open doors of opportunities to serve Him and to witness for Him, I believe God is powerful enough and faithful enough to give us those opportunities. Why would He not? But if we're here, we're not going to see them. So go out, reach out to a lost world with the gospel, which brings us to the fact that we must shout out. And, and don't focus so much on the loudness of it, but the proclamation of it. But I did use the word shout because the proclamation of it needs to have some caring and some passion to it. You ever carried on a conversation with somebody that really could care less whether they're talking to you or not? And they really care less about what they're talking about. We can't be a people that go out and talk about Christ but not really care about 
this soul and whether they respond or don't respond. To go out, to reach out, and to shout out the message. Remember what they said about John the Baptist? He came bellowing. Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Bellowing out. We are so afraid to whisper. Jesus died on the cross for you. Oh, that God would be, give me that broken heart and that boldness to simply not care what humanity thinks when I deliver his message. To go out, to reach out, to shout out, but it means nothing if we don't live it out. If you're going to continue to buy your beer, if you're going to continue to have all these other issues in your life, it does us no good to go out. It does us no good to reach out. It does us no good to shout out. We must live it out. How do you know? Well, go back and read the Bible. When God sent a message that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot, who at one time was with faithful Abraham, has now separated from Abraham. And when he first separated, he, he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and he liked what he saw, although it was a long way off. And so he pitched his, pitched his tent and he chose that particular path. Remember, Abraham said, choose to go to the left or the right. Whichever one you go, I'll take the other. Lot looked left and he looked right. And he saw Sodom and Gomorrah and said, well, I want to go that direction. Later on, as you study, he's moved into kind of the outskirts of town. And finally, he's in downtown Sodom and Gomorrah being a horrible witness. And all of a sudden, the angel of God tells Abraham and the word gets back to Lot what's about to happen and Lot starts scrambling to his daughters and his son-in-laws. And his son-in-laws laughed at him. <laughs> God? You had not cared about God since we've known you, Lot. You've been right here in the middle of it with us. My gracious Lot, you even offered your own children up to the sinful men. And now, you want to talk to us about God? And they laughed at him. He became a mockery. If we don't live it out, we become a mockery. Are we, and I, I'm just asking, not judgmental. I know about my life. That's why I said a minute ago, God, break my heart and give me boldness. I haven't, I haven't been the example of all of these things that I should have been for this church. I bear the guilt for it. I bear the responsibility for it, the accountability to God for it. But I know because he said, if you'll confess your sins, I'm faithful just to forgive you of your sins and all your unrighteousness. I've done that this morning. But I ask us this morning, let's, let's just be real honest. When you sweep it on the carpet and you say, oh, he's just blowing off steam. You, any way you want to respond. 
But if we look at this book and all that Jesus said these men could be doing, if they would use joy and if they would use love and if they would use the unity and, 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 and the commissioning and, and all, if they would just understand and use these things, greater works than I did they'll be able to do. Honestly looking individually first. How many works are we producing for God? And then collectively as a church. Ten years from now. Ten years. When I was River's age, ten years seemed like an eternity. Now I stand before you 53, and I'm trying to figure out what happened to 2018. I woke up a couple of mornings ago, and we were celebrating the new year, and lo and behold, we're on the last half of October. We only got a couple more months, and this year's gone. Ten years from now, I'm burdened and concerned about Faith Missionary Baptist Church. I'm not trying to be morbid, and I don't know when people are going to pass. But realistically speaking, ten years from now, there may be a lot of people sitting in pews that will not be sitting in pews then. We are a commissioned people. Told by Christ, the Father sent me to go when it wasn't convenient, to do what was difficult, and to care about people that are kind of a people you wouldn't want to care about. That's what the Father sent me to do. And he turned and he looked at them and he said, Boys, that's what I'm sending you to do. Go out there. Reach out. Shout out. But boys, you've got to live it out if this is ever going to work. Father, we come to you this morning. There's probably going to be somebody that wants to know what Brother Jeff is upset about and mad about. I pray, Father, that your spirit would assure that that's not the situation. I'm not mad. I'm not frustrated. I'm not disappointed. But I care for your work. And I care for your people. And as I've spent so much time the last few weeks studying your word, I see what you mean for us to be. What you mean for us to accomplish. But I'm not sure, Father. I know in my heart I haven't been. I'm not sure that we as a church have been not at least to the extent that you would have us to. God, help us today to be to be honest with you Lord if it meant every soul in this auditorium was around the altar right now then so be it but God break our hearts and help us to be honest and say father we haven't been a people that's been living out the commission that you've given us we're so sorry father that we've gotten self-centered you sent your son not to serve himself but to serve others you've sent us to serve others God, move in our hearts today. May your will be done and your kingdom advance today. And we ask these things in your precious name. Amen.